listening to Sports Radio Detroit. Welcome to Grave Discussions. I am your host, Barnabas. And I am your co-host, Samael. Welcome one, welcome all, to episode 64, King and Queen of Monsters. And today is a very special episode, which I'm kind of sad about, because we don't have a cult corner. Or a chopping block, actually, for or that matter. Block. But We just have a duo of discussions. That's right. Today's episode is going to feature... The very first Grave Discussions double feature review. And uh, two movies in particular came out this past weekend that have been uh, talked about in the horror circles quite a bit. So today we are going to be covering Ma and Godzilla, King of the Monsters. Dude, we were in the movie theater virtually like the whole afternoon up until the evening and like my tailbone was killing me like my ass was hurting so bad yeah it's not easy to sit through it but i would rather have been at the theater than like in my car yeah because i've done that before and that's a bitch but yeah (laughs) yeah that's gonna happen uh, a little bit later but first of course as always we have to give a shout out to our host network sports radio detroit and you can find them on twitter instagram at facebook at sports radio detroit that's SRD Sports Radio Detroit. Got to make that distinction from Detroit Sports Radio. Yes. So uh, we also have a quick sponsored message to give. So stick around and we'll be right back with what's been going on in the world of horror. Here at Grave Discussions, we know that addiction can be scary, but it doesn't have to be. Let the Detox Helpline help you break your addiction to drugs and alcohol. Call the addiction specialist now at the Detox and Treatment Helpline 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. They're always available for you. And if you have private insurance, they specialize in finding you the right treatment. Give them a call at 1-800-213-9257. That is 800-213-9257. So there has been quite a lot happening in the world of horror over this past week. In fact, too much for uh, us to actually put into the uh, usual itinerary of the episode but uh, i mean go to your favorite horror news provider website and you can catch it all but uh this one was one of the more exciting because it concerns a movie that we recently kind of fell in love with and uh, it's terrifier 2 so the sequel to the cult hit I mean, can you consider it a cult hit now? I think it's kind of fair to say it's yeah. going to be, It has at least. It already has, like, a pretty decent-sized following, including us. And a major factor for that is uh, actually David Howard Thornton and, like, mm-hmm. Damien Leone actually, like, interacting with their followers. And, you know, I sent David Howard Thornton a meme the other day with uh, Art the Clown that he hadn't seen before, and he thought it was funny. So, like, yeah. he's he's cool people, man. Like, that's... That's the thing that makes it, like, a cult movie. It's just, like, it came out of nowhere, kind of, you know? And uh, they had the All Hallows' Eve, the prequel, but this one was, like, 
like another level of fucking crazy hopeless and like it it doesn't appeal to everyone because like everyone's like so jaded but like i've been waiting for this sequel because it's supposed to take place right after art commits suicide and gets you know comes gets brought back to life by some evil force and now he's a demon Hmm. i think uh, terrifier was actually i think the prequel to all hallows eve i don't know because i think even in terrifier he was giving off some demonic kind of tendencies but yeah but he didn't teleport like in all hallows eve he was teleporting yeah. and shit <laughs> yeah that was definitely pretty weird i'm, I'm not sure hopefully maybe this movie will kind of make it clear but terrifier 2 has officially been funded now through the efforts of all of the fans who are dying to see a sequel and uh, it's going to begin filming this fall so at the very earliest we can probably expect terrifier 2 to come out in 2020 yeah maybe spring depends if they want to just release it straight away or you know what they want to do with it i hope it's not one of those like straight to netflix things i hope they drop the blu-ray because i really wanted to pick that up oh yeah I i don't think it will be honestly i think they're gonna have enough to where they can like probably do a blu-ray release speaking of uh blu-ray releases i'm gonna do like i'm gonna intervene really quick i'm gonna give a little mini news segment for lgbtq month scream factory released a special rainbow colored edition of the babadook it's like a running joke that the babadook is a lgbtq (laughs) member so like scream factory acknowledged that and for all our lgbtq viewers i ordered it and you should order it too from scream factory the special lgbtq version of babadook I saw that, yeah. It's like, instead of the red case, it's like rainbow colored. It looks cool. Yeah, I grabbed it just because, yeah. like, I want to show my support. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, for sure. So, uh, guys, go check that out if you are interested. But we are going to move on to our next article here. Kind of sad news. There was going to be, of course, a Are You Afraid of the Dark film by Paramount. Uh, and I say that because now it's kind of more up in the air. Gary Doberman, the writer uh of it and the nun who was supposed to be on this film has officially left now so it's kind of up in the air as to whether or not the movie is actually going to be created at all yeah uh i mean he had a vision you know what i mean to like still have it appeal to kids but still have that like kind of dark side of it kind of like the tv series had because they had some episodes that were like kind of questionable like the cigar smoking clown stalking kids and shit like that yeah. so like i'm kind of bummed out because i mean we've been talking about this since like based i think we when we started grave discussions we brought this up yeah it's been a while honestly since it's been in the news and i mean i've been super excited for it personally so this is kind of a bummer i'm hoping that they're just going to find another writer who has a similar vision to gary doberman or something you know really unique I think would be cool even like an anthology film in its own right you know instead of like a big story or something but uh, i don't know i mean we're gonna see what, what happens with it dj caruso is still apparently on board to direct the movie but that's pretty much kind of all the information we have i was gonna say as far as like a writing team or something i think they should get del toro on this oh that would be cool yeah because i think he had something something to do with the don't be afraid of the dark yeah movie and i know they're not the same thing but i almost feel like the tone could be pretty similar to like this so yeah it'd be a good idea i was gonna say or whoever and honestly this is gonna sound iffy to some people but i don't care because i have my opinion fuck you whoever wrote the first goosebumps movie the more recent one i'd be down bro yeah they could give it like a kind of like more kid-friendly feel 
Well, then, you know, we could have, like, other writers come in. Maybe, why not have Stephen King come in? I mean, that'd be cool, yeah. Imagine Stephen King, kid-friendly horror stories. I think he could, I mean, he did Stand By Me. Yeah. Well, The Body, but. Well, yeah, it's a coming-of-age you know, movie, though, so it. Yeah. I think it, it it's, falls in line, kind of. You know, you don't have to have all the more adult themes, necessarily, but he could do it. I just don't want to see James Wan's Are You Afraid of the Dark? Yeah, I don't know about that. Yeah, we'll see what happens with it. Once we have more info, guys, of course, we'll let you know. But uh, the last article here is about a very not kid-friendly actor, really. Uh, the star of the Blade films, Wesley Snipes, is going to be coming back to the action horror genre once again in a new zombie movie called Outbreak Z, uh, which is being directed by stuntman choreographer Chris Brewster. I think it's cool to see finally Wesley Snipes coming back for, like, an actual horror movie yeah i mean he is going to be like the main protagonist too so like i guess we're just so used to seeing him as blade that i think it's going to be kind of weird seeing him as a zombie hunter but like i think we're going to have like minor flashbacks of blade like oh this is expected of wesley snipes kill those fucking monsters yeah it's just a lot different now because the dude's like 56 or something yeah so i don't completely expect him to be doing like spinning roundhouse kicks on zombies he's but, gonna be like know. a ving rames from dawn of the dead yeah just really kind of like tough he might you know flying kick a zombie or something like that but i don't i don't know if he's gonna be doing a ton of that kind of stuff but it's still cool uh i hope that he does do like his own scenes and i hope so you know just go crazy beating up some zombies but just the fact that he can do all that shit makes me think it's not gonna have a very serious tone I think it's very much going to kind of vibe with like, you know, what Blade was doing. But uh, I mean, we're going to see it's directed by a stuntman choreographer, like I said. So, yeah, uh, the story itself actually focuses on two SWAT officers, uh, one of whom is uh, Wesley Snipes, uh, on a desperate hunt through an overrun college campus in search of, I'm assuming, Subject Zero, somebody who holds a vaccine. So... I don't know. It sounds pretty good to me. It's it's like I said, like I mentioned to you earlier, it's different from like other zombie movies where it's just like post-apocalyptic. What are we going to do now? Like these guys are looking for the vaccine. So like, yeah. And the story itself actually kind of reminds me of the plot from The Last of Us almost. And there was a whole scene in that game where you're on like a college campus looking for like research or something like that. I think I played it. Yeah. It's been a while for me, but I, I remember that you know like segment of the game so yeah i think it could be cool but uh we've got a few trailers here and then we're going to get into the meat of the show uh the first comes from a24 hopefully knocking it out of the park yet again with a movie titled in fabric i didn't realize but i actually heard of this movie even last year Mm -hmm. i found it like on like this coming soon page of like upcoming horror movies and like it was about this haunted fucking dress. Yeah. And I think I saved it to my bookmark so I could watch it when it came out. I definitely remember this one as as soon as I like pulled up the trailer, I was like, hold on, wait, I've I've heard of this. Mm-hmm. I did not know they had a trailer and it looks pretty dope. It seems like it's gonna be like one of those experimental genre films, like Yeah, it's got it's got those avant garde kind of like yeah, vibes vibes to it. Yeah, it definitely looks like a seventies 
like horror film fucked like a 2010s horror film you know seems like a 2010s like horror film stylistically you know like at least in terms of like camera work but the whole premise is like really 70s ish the premise and and most of the visuals honestly yeah because there's like you you get that bloom that kind of overexposed look but yeah i mean the story itself is very unique it's about a haunted dress uh and we follow this it's in the description it says she's a divorcee played by marianne jean baptiste and uh she gets stuck with this dress after getting divorced and she like wants to go on a date you know and look good and all kinds of crazy shit starts happening basically and we see shots of this of the dress like on its own floating (laughs) even though it's been ripped apart by a dog yeah it just comes back it's i i haven't seen one of those like haunted item movies in forever i mean yeah we've seen like uh we haven't seen it but we know about like that like ray bradbury stuff you know and like the friday the 13th tv show Mm -hmm. haunted item type stuff but this one kind of you know dives into like the this single item that this lady bought from this gypsy you know like yeah it's kind of rare i mean we've seen stuff like uh possession yeah with a dybbuk box yeah and uh but you know those those movies are kind of few and far between honestly i mean you can you could probably count like drag me to hell or something like that but uh yeah it's really cool because i think that you know we're gonna follow another cursed object here so i'm excited to see how the story kind of pans out i think if uh it's gonna be another one of those iffy things if this movie does good then i think it's gonna become a trend yeah because it's because people still love that supernatural shit but like the haunted house movies honestly after curse of la llorona i gave up on them especially like since right before that we tried to give it a shot with mercy black and even though people for some reason on these horror groups praise these things they were bad movies not bad but like literally you've seen it before yeah uh, it, I mean, there's some rehashing for sure, but let's let's move on, guys. Uh, there's no release date for In Fabric just yet, but once there is, we'll let you know. The next trailer is for kind of a, a more fun uh, creature feature actually coming to Shudder on June 6th. So actually, by the time you're hearing this uh, episode, it should already be out, but you can still check out the trailer if you want. It's for a movie called Boar. Yeah, and it stars old WWE wrestler Nathan Jones. Oh, yeah. You remember him? He had the feud with Undertaker, and he was Undertaker's boy, too. Yeah. Oh, man. Good times. Him and Matt Morgan. Remember him? (laughs) Morgan. So, uh, (laughs) this, like, uh, these people are going somewhere. I don't fucking know. And there's a boar killing them. And that's it. It's pretty much an 80s movie in modern day. Yeah. Because that's a very, very 1980s premise. Hey, look, a wild boar. And it's going to kill us. What shall we do? We're going to die. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's a bunch of those like animal killer movies. More recently, a, a pretty good one was uh, Backcountry. And it was literally just a couple going to like, you know, like the forest or whatever to like hiking trails and stuff. And they come across a bear and they are trying to survive against the bear. You know, and that's it. So this is kind of similar. Uh, it takes place in Australia. And it's, it's pretty cool because it's actually got John Jarrett in it, who is the uh, antagonist from Wolf Creek. And it's also got, playing against type, Bill Mosley from, oh, wow. uh, yeah, from uh, House of a Thousand Corpses. Holy shit. Those rejects. And he actually is playing like the nice, you know, kind of, I guess, family guy. I don't know. It, it's very weird. That's odd. Yeah. Because, <laughs> you know, usually he plays like that fucking redneck antagonist type character yeah exactly you know? so it's kind of off-putting but i think strange. it could work i mean 
I'm tired of seeing like the same actors in like the same type of roles. Mm-hmm. Like they can only fit in a certain mold. Like let's let's expand that. You're kind of like really narrowing their choices. Oh yeah. Like when you like make them like if there's three movies in a row where someone was like a maniacal hillbilly like where is like where is like the middle ground like there isn't they're just gonna like Mm -hmm. keep casting him in those roles i mean it's kind of similar to like you know one of his co-stars sherry moon zombie if i see her in something i expect her to be fucking crazy or else i don't know why she's in the movie yeah she was all right in lords of salem she yeah she didn't really play like a redneck she just played this like hippie no, I know. They I mean, she's took she's, over by witches. She's just like that weird kind of crazy chick. You know? Yeah, she's that's that's her thing. Yeah, that, that is her thing. I'm just tired of seeing her. <laughs> <laughs> no, I get it. Yeah, I completely get it. But but I'm mean, Bill Mosley looks like he's going to be uh, kind of playing a different type of character, which is cool. And a movie about a killer boar. So I mean, that's really all you need to know. Go check out the trailer. And the last trailer is for actually a sequel called Darlin, and this is the follow-up to uh, a movie you may know, The Woman. Oh, the the, the crazy bitch where, like, like they the try feral to, like, do, woman, yeah. They try to domesticate her and shit? Yep, that's the one. So, apparently, in Darlin, the woman, played by Pollyanna McIntosh, you know, escapes, and she actually finds this girl and raises her, and that girl is Darlin, and Darlin gets found at a Catholic hospital, after being all feral and dirty and everything and she gets uh, taken in by i guess this convent who is led by the bishop played by brian bat and uh they're they basically try to do the same thing they try to domesticate her make her like a good catholic girl and then the woman comes back and uh tries to to get her back basically jesus yeah <laughs> so it seems pretty cool i have seen some of the one but i don't know if i've ever seen the whole movie it's supposed to be like really crazy yeah, it was. I, I watched it in theaters way back when, and I do not remember it. Okay, so we may all. have to, we may have to, you know, do a refresher, but... Yeah, we do. But this one looks pretty cool, too. I think might seem a little more tame <laughs> than The Woman, but the main actress, Lauren Canny, uh, actually looks pretty good, and it looks like it's going to be another bloody movie, so... I'm always down for those. Oh, yeah. Uh, But that one's coming out July 12th in theaters and on VOD, so be on the lookout for it. So, Fiends, now it is time for our double feature review. But before we get into that, we do have a few sponsored messages. All right, Fred, so the people at Sports Radio Detroit want us to cut a promo for Parsons and Slow. Want them to cut me a check. For Parsons and Slow. Well, um, I've I've Googled some keywords and I'm going to uh, put them here in a promo. So so here it goes. Ready, Fred? Yeah. Uh, analytics away. Parsons and Slow. We have the content consumers crave. Listen to us on iTunes, Spotify, uh, anywhere else that podcasts are available, or we'll kill you. We won't really kill you. Just listen to our podcast, brand new, every Friday on Sports Radio Detroit. Okay, I'm ready to do the promo. Oh, that was it. Hey, Samuel. Hey, Barnabas. What's up? Oh, not much. Have you ever written a book? No, but I've written a musical. Oh, well, you can become a published author with Dorrance Publishing, the nation's oldest publishing services company. Aha, I hear countless authors have trusted Dorrance for nearly 100 years to bring their books to the market. 
Their professional team will edit your text, design your book pages, and create an appealing, eye-catching custom cover. Plus, their authors benefit from a custom book promotion marketing campaign that makes your book available where people buy books. So, make this free call right now to claim your free author's guide to publishing. Do not wait another day. Take one step closer to realizing your dream of becoming a published author. And seeing your name in print. Aha! Uh -huh. You've already written a book. Next thing to do is make this free call now to Dorrance Publishing and get your free guide to publishing. Call right now. The number is 1-800-213-9259. Again, 1-800-213-9259. Welcome back, Fright Fiends, for the first movie in our double feature review this episode. And that first movie is a director Tate Taylor's Ma, starring Octavia Spencer as Sue Ann Ellington. So we were waiting for this movie for quite some time because, like, it looked like your stereotypical, like, stalker slash, you know, stalk and slash movie. Mm -hmm. And, uh, it, it turned into something different. Uh, I'm not going to really spoil it, like, at all. This is more of a dissection. I felt like this movie was, like... I don't know. I felt like some things were, like, really dumb. Yeah. Like, uh... Okay, let me just say this. It was kind of a revenge movie. And, like... I felt like it was kind of stupid that they made Ma into, like, the antagonist for getting revenge for something that was horribly done to mm -hmm. her in her day like stuff that if it happened to us or like someone we know we'd want revenge you know what i mean yeah like so like i guess because like uh the fact that she was like stalking kids and like that wasn't the right thing to do because i guess those aren't, aren't the people responsible i guess that's why she's considered the antagonist because it's like a i don't want to spoil if i say this it's it's just like a revenge that's like not directly like aimed at the specific people even though like she did go after like the specific person. I get so yeah. I felt like that extra revenge was like sort of unnecessary. I guess those people were dicks to her, but like you know, like what what does like I guess yeah, I see why she's the antagonist now. Like what do the <laughs> what do these young kids have anything to do with it? Yeah, I agree with all of that, but at the same time, I mean look at a movie like Slaughter High. Yeah. For example, you know, it kind of plays that same angle and I think it's really kind of trying to make, make you believe in something that's very real i mean you know that something like that can just make you kind of crack yeah it can of you know course it can it's a traumatic event especially like you know with marty from slaughter high there was like you know physical violence mm -hmm. i'm not going to spoil it too much with ma but it was like a different type of violence it was it was physical but it wasn't like uh like punching kicking or burning violence, yeah, yeah it was like uh, yeah, <laughs> I know. Yeah, I don't want to say too much more. Yeah, but kind of. But basically, as the movie kind of progresses, you you sort of sympathize more with her, but at the same time, she becomes a lot crazier too. And you sort of pick up on this even in her daily routines, as it kind of shows you. She's she's very out of touch with kind of what's going on around her. I think you know? so. You could see that through her matriarchal responsibilities. Oh, yeah. Big time. That was, like, I think that's, to me, like, what initially, for me at least, like, made her, like, the antagonist was, like, like her matriarchal responsibilities were, like, just completely skewed. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, abuse is abuse, okay? You don't have to physically abuse your kids, but if you're sort of sheltering them and, like, 
preventing them from like interactions with people their age and mm-hmm. turn them into a weirdo. I think that's abuse too. And like, she ended up like being from being the abused to like herself, like neglecting her, you know, flesh and blood. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And I mean, related to that, I think probably the biggest theme in this movie was just loneliness big time you know in conjunction with that abuse and and bullying and stuff like that and you know we won't really give away anything more but that theme is definitely the most prevalent and one thing that actually i liked about the use of that theme and its application to like the other characters was that you kind of feel it in the main uh girl as well of course yeah you know she was kind of like the the new kid on the block struggling to make friends and mm. then stereotypical horror movie stuff oh oh she makes friends with people who are drinking and doing this and she gets into some shit kind of like Pumpkinhead yeah. 2 remember Pumpkinhead 2 yeah the daughter of the sheriff gets into roped into it yeah with like the bad kids and then they summon Pumpkinhead yeah you know it's it's that kind of whole move into a new town thing and this movie had quite a few horror tropes and made a lot of very questionable decisions and like the actions of the characters at many times that kind of had us scratching our heads but you know i felt like the like the direction they tried to go in terms of humor too like was kind of like meh like they had some Mm. like parts that were supposed to be funny because like you know teenagers they talk shit like Mm. some parts were just like extremely unnecessary and kind of like cringy when they would talk you know what i mean sort of yeah i mean the voice of reason really kind of and and sort of our connection to this movie was michaeli miller as Haley. yeah she was a very blunt like girl she was like the the only one i was like you know she may be onto something like yeah because the rest of the characters were very much like naive characters naive as fuck (laughs) yeah hey guys Someone broke into my house. I'm going to take a shower. You know, that type of shit. Yeah. So I I think this movie was kind of actually trying to play on a lot of what the 80s did in terms of characters, dialogue, etc. But but did put a unique spin on it, even though it was very much like a small town, kind of more, more realistic sort of horror film. The angle was still pretty cool because of the whole... relationship with ma and the kids like them going over to her house to (laughs) which for which first of all you know if you're looking at it logically like why the fuck would you do that yeah (laughs) you know there's no way i'm going to like some random woman's house to drink sorry yeah i don't don't know what's but there has to be that naivety in these movies like especially Mm -hmm. with the younger kids because like even though for us it seems over the top i think this movie made a great point on hey there are kids like this out there Mm -hmm. that haven't been taught don't talk to strangers they were just expected to know it and haven't been taught you know drinking in this with like a with all your peers at some you know secluded old woman is bad you know getting old people getting other people to buy you liquor is bad because you never know what can happen this is kind of like an i told you so movie like everything our parents warned us not to do Mm -hmm. that we like to dismiss and these kids did that exact same stuff that we were told not to do and this time something bad actually does happen so yeah so again kind of you know hearkening back to 80s exactly or movies in general and slashers specifically because this is almost kind of like an evolution from the slasher movie it is but you know you still got even the group dynamic you kind of have like the sort of nice guy you got the douchey guy you got the 
the bitchy popular girl, mm-hmm. uh, the smart virgin, and for some reason they the black guy, like because yeah, <laughs> you have to right, like yeah, no, the token black guy. I mean, he has to be in there or else it's not an eighties horror movie, basically. Yeah, that's true. And this one, uh, kind of like this was kind of like when you think about it, Friday the Thirteenth is this movie's like, you know, great 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 yeah. grandparent <laughs> because Friday the Thirteenth started with all these tropes. It was a uh, it was Halloween that started with the, oh, the virgin always survives. But Friday the 13th was the don't have sex, watch the kids, mm-hmm. don't do that. It was like, it had the whole checklist. And now we have this, the great, 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 great grandson slash daughter of Friday the 13th. Yeah. In a way. Oh, yeah. So yeah. in terms of tropes, I'm saying, not in terms of like how the movie was like laid out you oh, know, yeah. and executed, just in like what it, what kind of message it had you know like it was the same thing as the 80s horror movies like you mentioned like 80s slashers mm-hmm. like definitely influenced this movie just because of like the group dynamic between the kids yeah basically like the ideation of this movie is is that exactly exactly the yeah. visuals not quite so much it definitely flows more so like a modern film oh yeah it is it definitely more like a modern film you know you've got like the drone shots and, and stuff like that here and there yeah <laughs> but uh kind of in reference to that i mean I thought the cinematography was okay. Some of the editing didn't sit super well with me because there were lots of shots that just kind of went from like one to the other very suddenly and kind of strangely, or at least like the frame it went to next was not the best. Like I feel like some of the transitions weren't that great. I I felt that way too. I mean, you know, I'm a big like cinematography nerd and like Mm -hmm. that can usually make or break a movie for me. And like I noticed, I noticed everything you're talking about, like as it was happening, and like I felt like it. I don't feel like they were like lazy with the cinematography, but I felt like it didn't like really like fit the tone of the movie, like the yeah. shots that they took. Like I, I felt like there should have been like uh, <laughs> in sometimes it's a qualm of mine. Sometimes I like them. I felt like this movie was just like too many medium shots. I don't know. I, yeah. I complain about that a lot. It makes yeah. it it makes us seem like way too personal with every fucking character when every character gets their own medium shot and mm-hmm. like there's like one guy's talking camera switches back to the other person just show them both in the fucking frame like real life you don't fucking look back and forth between you and the guy in front of you like see that's the thing I, I didn't feel like super involved with this movie mm-hmm. I just kind of wanted like Ma to get hers you know what I mean even though yeah. like don't get me wrong she was wrong but like I, I just felt like the camera work did not fit like I don't know. Sometimes the message and the camera work can go together. All right. Yeah. If the message is like, oh, you know, don't bully people, this, that, you can't have a medium shot of like every single fucking person. Now you're kind of like making it, making us too personal with every fucking character. And that's how I felt like with this movie. Yeah. And speaking of the characters, I mean, the cinematography can, can definitely change your relationship to a specific character or characters as well. And yeah, I feel like uh, that connection wasn't there for me pretty much at all i was really kind of only invested in the character of ma uh helped of course by the phenomenal performance by octavia spencer she's so good bro she was she was the best actor in this movie her her and uh juliet lewis honestly yeah 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 (laughs) just for that one scene where she's like yelling but it's juliet lewis um but she did good i mean the actress that i mentioned before mckaylee miller as Haley, i think also did a great job honestly yeah Haley was a big time like uh capital b word you know what i mean <laughs> yeah not like lowercase like she's kind of like but she was smart too like she peeped the whole the bracelet thing and 
Yeah, I just think, you know, like with the dialogue she delivered, I thought that was top notch. But uh, the final girl, Diana Silvers, final girl who played uh, the main character, Maggie, was also very good. I think she was too. Like, a, she played that shy, timid, new girl very well, even with her facial expressions. Mm-hmm. Like, she looked like she was actually like this virginal, innocent girl. And, like, see, that's going to be a problem now because I feel like I've seen her in this role before. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised if she gets typecast, honestly, in more horror movies as the same type of girl. Uh, so it would be cool to see her in a role like Revenge or something like that, Jesus. where she's just going crazy. But, uh, you know, she did a good job. She wasn't like a complete standout for me personally, but... She wasn't, and for me, like I said, it was the cinematography. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. you, you got the same shot on Maggie as you would get on Ma and Haley. Yeah. And the token black dude, like it was just like, all right, man, which guy am I? Which person am I supposed to be focused on like the most when you're showing the same shot for each fucking person? Yeah, I mean they had some okay close up shots here and there, but we needed more. We needed to see more of that emotion. It kind of didn't help that they were very stereotypical characters as well, anyway. But that really falls more on the writing. What I, I did, what I did like about Maggie though, is like even though like the cinematography didn't like the cinematography pay attention the cinematography yeah. didn't really paint her as like the main character i felt like her her like uh what's it her like body movements and everything was yeah. that of a main character like she wasn't like uppity and like jumping she was more like reserved observant and all those like characteristics that you see in like a final girl like mm-hmm. she would like you know touch her fingers a lot like you know like she was kind of nervous she looked down a lot and looked up with her chin down so mm-hmm. like it was all those uh all those physical movements that that really like kind of made up for the fact that the cinematography didn't really show you like who the main character was and who we're supposed to empathize with the most like her movements is kind of what made it like all right you know i guess they made up for that lack of like personal cinematography for like the main character but like yeah i don't know i felt like her character was was done well and like mm-hmm. i think she's going to definitely reprise this role in other horror movies like this this type of person because like she does it so well so they're just gonna be like you know what next time we need a final girl it's gonna be her yeah and i mean it helped that you know her character had a pretty natural evolution as well which is always important in in a main character especially in a horror movie i think we see you know not enough of that honestly which is a good like character arc good evolution but hers hers was good ultimately i you know i ended up caring about her she wasn't like the most unique character in the world, but again, she's really just supposed to be kind of a, a random human girl. So I just didn't want her to die a virgin. That's why I was rooting for her. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, that's the worst thing. To we, die. we won't spoil what happens uh, with with that. Remember, but... I said die a virgin, yeah. so you don't know what I'm where I'm going with here. Did she die not a virgin? Is she alive in a virgin? Is she alive and not a virgin? You don't know. You don't know. Is she a lizard and a virgin, or? Has she always been a lizard? Can she reproduce asexually? Can she? Ooh. You will never find out because that is not discussed in this movie. <laughs> find out in Ma, Family Tree. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> no, but... Shark jumping! <laughs> we haven't used that term in a while. <laughs> oh yeah, there we go. Guys, don't listen to me. I have terrible ideas. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're stupid. Don't yeah. listen. Sometimes we have good ideas. Sometimes, like... Like a- the stuff for the Invisible Man yeah grave discussions in general i think every week we have good ideas for the show but. i think so <laughs> but yeah no ultimately for ma i i enjoyed it you know we've been talking a lot about things that we we haven't liked we've talked about things that we did like 
but the framework for this movie is solid. Uh, the story luckily is unique enough and we get enough scenes of like them partying and pretty much every time they're partying is also when the really crazy shit happens. Yeah. So, I mean, the parallels are like right there, you know, you could tell something was off. Like Mm. I I can't believe we didn't mention this. There's always a rule, right? In every Mm. movie. And this one was don't go upstairs. Oh yeah. I mean, that was a big thing in the trailer too. Oh, (laughs) I wonder what's up there. Like just like every other movie where they tell you not to go somewhere. Of course. Don't go upstairs. Don't go in the house. Don't open this specific closet that's in my room in the corner. Like you can't say that to somebody because then you're just inviting people (laughs) to be curious and peaking their curiosity. Exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, what do you what do you think? Without spoiling, of course. I mean, what what's your reaction to the upstairs reveal? I thought it was kind of tame for like how serious she was about it. Mm-hmm. But like I mentioned that stuff about the neglect and stuff earlier. So I guess it made sense. But then that kind of shows you that Ma really isn't this antagonist because she actually had that that uh, conscience that she knew what she was doing was wrong. And that's why it was kind of being hidden. So yeah, way I'm to a- delve into the psyche <laughs> of Ma. Yeah, I, I get it. I mean, when you put it like that, I can definitely understand it and maybe even be partial to it but i was definitely expecting more so i i think in that aspect i kind of set my expectations a little high so ultimately I, I was slightly disappointed that's that's kind of all i'll say but uh you know the direction it took with it was still fine i felt like this was a lot better than uh blumhouse's more recent movies mm-hmm. like mercy black and all those into the dark episodes so like my final score for this movie would be I mean, I, like I said, it was good, but nothing special. So I would just give it a, like a solid 7 out of 10. Okay, fair enough. It was average. Yeah. Uh, you know, for me, I I pretty much echo that exact sentiment. You know, yeah. it, this was a, a pretty well-composed movie. There was. was some thought put into it. Octavia Spencer was amazing. And her character really is what kind of drove this movie because otherwise it would be just a movie about, you know, teen dickheads trying to party it up and yeah. running into the wrong person. But there was enough thought put into it, and I, and I liked it. One thing that I didn't mention that uh, gave it, I gave it minus one for mm-hmm. was the pacing was kind of weird. Yeah. We went from one scene to another to, like, it would be like it would go from, like, uh, Maggie at home, and now Ma's texting her, video calling yeah. her. <laughs> And now Ma's watching them while they're at school. Mm-hmm. And now we're just at Ma's house. But then the next morning, uh, Maggie gets home and she doesn't know how she got there. And now we're at the vet's office. Yeah. And it's like, it's just all over the place, I felt. It can be a little disorienting because when you're trying to pace something, you're not trying to invite people to question like, oh, how'd they get here? How'd they get there? Yeah. And I th- that's something for me that I, I want to bring up in, in our next review. But, oh, but uh, I actually forgot to mention it before. I think part of that weird pacing falls partially into like the editing as well like, i think that they were trying to just quicken the pacing sometimes to just accelerate like the story because obviously the story was supposed to take place over a period of time yeah that's the, it so. felt like there were some gaps too like yeah that was the big thing for me the gaps and like i understand maybe nothing happened that day but it didn't happen that day because you wrote it like that. How about write something right. so a- something actually happens so the transition to the next scene won't just be so, like, nonsensical. Not nonsensical, but, like, yeah. I want to say, like, without reason because it was just, like, 
it was kind of very arbitrary how we got from one scene to another. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, you know, this isn't a criticism that I think either of us usually give, but this movie could maybe even have been five to eight or something minutes longer. I think you know? so, yeah. Because, Just like, clear it up. Uh, the ending was like, uh, I don't know. It wasn't like solid. We're not really sh- yeah. sure what happened. Like, even after, like, that, uh, not gonna spoil, even after that, uh, injury mm-hmm. near the end, like, everything still appeared normal <laughs> yeah that, that was weird like she just fucking walked around like <laughs> yeah i don't want to say much more than that about it, it but like, I, I get it yeah it was like bro i'd be paralyzed I <laughs> yeah i was a fan ultimately though i, g- I gave this movie uh, on letterboxd three and a half out of five so it was about the same yeah score definitely yeah, a exactly must watch. At, <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely at least a must must watch for Octavia Spencer and, and I a think few so. of the other she, actors. But her, Haley, and Maggie, like those yeah. three, I think I didn't really give a shit about anyone else in the movie. Right. Yeah. The kid. Uh, what was Maggie's boyfriend? See, I don't even remember him. I think it was like Andy or something. Andy and her, his dad Ben. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I thought Ben was like kind of douchey mm-hmm. at the bar. You know what I mean? Because I don't think a human beings that like mean to another human being like, yeah <laughs> it seems like just very like movie mm-hmm. like it would only happen in a movie like that yeah well surprise appearance there by uh luke evans and he he just always has to come off as like an intimidating guy oh yeah because <laughs> he's english or whatever <laughs> but that's our review of ma we do recommend you go check it out while it's still in theaters yeah that way you don't have to pay 20 dollars for the blu-ray yep just go watch it for seven bucks for sure, yeah. Let us know what you think about it if you do check it out. The next movie in our double feature review is uh, probably one of my most anticipated movies of the year, and I think a lot of people's, Godzilla, King of the Monsters. And before anyone says, this is not horror, we don't just cover horror. Mm-hmm. We cover the subgenres that even though they're not horror, they're still part of the horror community. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that makes sense monsters supernatural like some people were like oh hellboy isn't horror yeah it's not horror it's supernatural slash fantasy but that's what we're about grave discussions we're not of course we're like the horror collective you know we like talk about horror but like we still talk about supernatural movies talk about monster Mm -hmm. movies killer animal movies even if they're not horror like jaws wasn't like a straight up horror movie that was like a what adventure slash thriller yeah but still killer shark Therefore, we can talk about it. I think anything oh, yeah. that like would be fucked up to witness in real life, we can talk about. Like not just solely horror. Like mm-hmm. we could even talk about Cable Guy with Jim Carrey. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, that would fall into that realm. I, I think so too. I mean, you know, like we said in our one of our previous episodes, where we were talking about pretty much this exact thing. You know, horror horror is kind of like the the loving uncle of the the film family. You know, it, yeah. it really welcomes a lot of different genres because it just encompasses the weird and and strange and just you know the uncommon kind of films and and subgenres and stuff like that so i mean giant monster movies i think fit right in because even though this movie and, and a lot of those other movies even a lot of the old godzilla stuff have more like sci-fi action leanings they still fit in yeah I mean, honestly, it would even make sense for us, like, not saying that we will or we won't for Cult Corner or for, like, I'm just saying in general, like, it would even make sense for us to talk about uh, the Dark Knight. 
you know what i mean because sure. solely because of joker yeah like and even dark knight rises because of bane you know mm-hmm. like there are there are certain elements that aren't horror but like they're they're close you know what i mean yeah. like these dark movies like even crimson peak and the crow like mm-hmm. a lot of people wouldn't consider those like horror but like it's still like on the spectrum of like supernatural slash dark movies like mm. who knows maybe we'll even talk about fucking daredevil for the love of god you know yeah. what i mean because like it's one of those dark movies we're not just horror we like dark things that's the thing with us yeah spoopy things spooky not scary <laughs> exactly i mean it can be scary but you know we we love it all honestly and 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 horror is is on at this point in its life pretty loose you know like you have pure horror you have stuff like i don't know stranger things i mean it's 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 more sci-fi horror but leaning it, with it fits in yeah with, with the coming of age thing but yeah it's talked about in horror circles all the time oh yeah so is godzilla plus the first godzilla film really was like a dramatic horror movie i mean it was very low to the ground giant radioactive monster destroying tokyo and i would consider stuff, you know? uh, I mean, come on I would consider all the first monster movies to be horror movies. Yeah, even King Kong was like largely considered a horror movie. Oh yeah, until know? recently it was like you watched the the King Kong from a few years mm-hmm. ago. I think we both went to go see that. With Skull Island? I think not Skull was it Skull Island? Yeah, it was the newest one, yeah. I think we saw that. What year was that? Uh 20 20- Was it 10? No, like 2015, 16 or something like that. I saw the one before that, I think. Oh, you might, maybe the one with Jack Black. <laughs> I have no idea. All I remember I is when I saw I saw it, and uh, even though it didn't fit into horror, we still have to talk about it because at one point King Kong was like horror. You know what I mean? Yeah. Not horror, but I I think monster movies fall into the spectrum, no matter what anyone says. Oh yeah. I mean, I think at this point, with stuff like Pacific Rim even coming out and CGI becoming more advanced, it's it's a lot easier to to it's a lot easier to pack in more action elements because it's such a, it's such a farther reaching kind of thing. You know I mean? This giant monster against humanity. Cloverfield actually did it really well because that was like a pure, like adrenaline rush horror movie. And, and, and the, the first person perspective really kind of helped it out too, you know, but, but, but that's either here or there. I mean, Godzilla King of the Monsters, I think definitely has some horror elements in it and even some, not scary scenes but some pretty like jarring scenes i think if you put yourself in their shoes it would be horrific exactly that's what i'm saying like if you can put yourself in the shoes of the characters dude if that was happening in the real world what the fuck i'd be freaking out if there was a giant lizard dinosaur and a giant five-headed hydra and a giant moth i'd be like yo time to pray you know i would be digging a hole in the backyard and just trying to like get in there and survive the radiation or something (laughs) yeah so i mean even that alone is horror but there's a scene you know not a big spoiler but there's a scene in in godzilla king of the monsters where godzilla is like underwater and that should look the cinematography made it look so fucking like creepy especially that close-up on his eye dude i would be fucking terrified and that that fucking Asian dude just went up and he petted him. Goodbye, old friend. Yeah, what the scientists fuck? are weird, but, <laughs> yeah. but you know. But that scene, I think, was a good example of suspense and horror in this movie. I think so. Even though it largely was an action movie, you know, and and we're definitely gonna talk about that too. But 
you know, this movie is the follow-up to 2014's Godzilla. I don't know. Have you seen that yet? No, I saw, uh, what was it, Godzilla 2000? Oh, yeah. I had the, the big plush Godzilla that I bought from Kmart for, like, uh, 50 bucks. Yeah, it was a big, like, thing back then, even though it was it kind was. of a shit movie. You know? It was <laughs> so fucking bad. I tried to rewatch it, and I was yeah. like, you know, Godzilla... It's Godzilla, so no matter what, it's Godzilla. And then yeah. I put it on, and I was like, nope, not today. <laughs> I mean, Godzilla itself looked pretty bad. Uh, 2014 really brought it back to a more, like, primal, ancient Godzilla, which is really cool, which is basically the Godzilla that we see in this movie, only in this movie he was a lot, like, beefier. But uh, honestly, 2014's is, like, kind of forgettable. It was an okay return to form, which made Godzilla a lot, like, more terrifying once again. But but with this movie, <laughs> yeah. kind of spoiler alert, he's the good guy. Yeah, which uh, happened a little bit into the the timeline of Godzilla back in the day when it was created. You know, as they were introducing more monsters, they they kind of had to because I mean, what else is gonna happen? You know, fucking King Ghidorah invades, and then what? They're gonna like team up together and destroy the Earth then you have no more movies, you know, so... <laughs> yeah, plus, like, a monster's trying to, like, take o- like take Godzilla's territory, so what's mm-hmm. he supposed to do? Just sit back and, oh, yeah, fuck it, yeah, you could do that. No, he's the alpha. He's gonna fucking be like, yo, what's up, motherfucker? Like, you know, exactly. like that, shit yeah. like that. Yeah, which is why King Kong versus Godzilla is the next thing on the slate, too, but... I hate how they... <laughs> spoiler They mentioned Skull Island, mm-hmm. but they didn't show King Kong in the movie. It was a I'm, fine tease. It was I, fine. I'm guessing they just didn't want him to walk up and bow to Godzilla because that would have been yeah. fucking stupid. Yeah. Well, obviously, we won't say exactly what happens to Godzilla, but they're the way that they're teasing it is that basically they will somehow be on equal footing when they fight, more or less. But, you know, that that's, that's a whole other discussion. Godzilla in this movie is uh, definitely something different. The 2014 one was really kind of his, like, reboot so his origin sort of once again uh just kind of a forgettable movie i think a lot of people probably won't even realize that this movie is sort of like the follow-up to that but honestly i didn't know this movie was a follow-up to any movie yeah no and and you know what it's it's fine because this movie can definitely just act on its own you know because it really kind of is its own thing what i really liked about this movie is like the protagonist i already said it it is godzilla Mm-hmm. the characters and the dialogue are kind of only there to let you know how much Godzilla is like struggling. Yeah. Cause other than that, it admittedly kind of sucks. They, <laughs> they kind of serve no purpose other than to like help him. Yeah, essentially. And, uh, we see that in a big way a little later on into the movie, which I ultimately I actually liked the way that they went about really helping Godzilla was, was pretty funny. Cause it's, uh, Oh my god. Kind of like ironic, but listen, they help him the same way they initially hurt him. Yeah. That's all we'll kind of say, but it was a fine scene. It was actually like a pretty emotional scene. I wasn't completely emotionally invested. But that's really only because I strictly cared about giant monsters fucking each other up. Yeah, that's what you that's know? what we came to see and mm-hmm. you know, for a movie about giant monsters fighting, damn, there sure wasn't a lot of giant monsters fighting. Oh, I know. I mean, dude, <laughs> think about it though like think about how much each one of those battles like cost dude <laughs> you know like the thing i didn't like though once there was a battle the camera would like start panning around the monsters and then mm-hmm. it would kind of just fall out and then start focusing on the humans yeah like, you'd see about 10 seconds of fighting 
and then the humans executing their plan and it was like why we see more scrapping but i mean how can two giants like fight it out it'll just be like swing miss bite ow <laughs> bite ow i mean scratch. you know that said though i mean i think Kame the battles Kame. were were pretty cool ultimately you the know final one was yeah but it, but it was still pretty sweet seeing like you know the monsters going 1v1 leading up to that fight too i thought like when mothra and uh another big monster fought i thought that was like a pretty cool fight i thought so too you know but i mean i i get why they couldn't show it to us too much but all things considering i th- i think the amount of giant monsters in general in this movie was totally great and fine the movie itself was like two and a half hours long so for that time like frame i I was satisfied with it yeah i would have liked to see maybe like one or two more battles or like maybe a longer final battle but even the final fight took what 30 to 45 minutes in its entirety you know so there's enough here for you if you came to see this movie strictly for the kaiju battles which i'm assuming you did critics are really kind of railing on this movie because of the other elements and look i get it you know as 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 a film student and and uh, scholar i guess i have to look at the whole movie too and and yeah the the characters and the actual plot of the characters and everything was not that great it wasn't uh, <laughs> at all <laughs> i mean I'm not a pro, you know, film student or anything, but, like, a lot of people have this little gift where they can kind of see a crap movie, and I felt like the story in this one was pretty cliche. Uh, The pacing, too, was, like, I felt it was, it was, like, a lot longer than it needed to be, but I felt like with, like, the things that the characters were doing in the movie, Mm -hmm. it was necessary. That's why I felt like maybe change the script around a bit, make them do less of that shit simplify it a little bit well this just felt like a cash grab blockbuster movie you know what i mean like just stereotypical this is gonna be the big movie like uh. oh oh it's a huge summer blockbuster but i i I get what you're saying like i was alluding to before actually with like ma's editing this movie also did the kind of thing where it's like all right we're in mexico in one scene and then the other scene we're on a plane flying over fucking i don't know whatever japan or something you know so there was a lot of those uh, convenient transitions, but you know, in this movie, I think it's, I think it's less like offensive, just yeah, because no. you know we kind of it's it's a global film, exactly right. Yeah. So you kind of have to take some liberties just to move it along, because ultimately, I'm not going to care if you yeah. know it, you're fucking flying to the United States and it's supposed to take you like however many days and you get there and two seconds oh my god i also feel like there was like way too much exposition oh there was a ton yeah so much bro like they literally like there was not one stone unturned you knew everything that was going on Mm -hmm. because people would announce what they were about to do before they did oh yeah there's a lot of like internal justification that's just fucking laid out there i this whole movie was just like yeah like darwinism (laughs) or whatever and like no it, it was just like arbitrary morality you know what i mean like it's it's supposed to be very current in the theme of like the planet being destroyed that's that's all i'll kind of say but that is very pushed in your face and i think it's definitely supposed to be and i feel like it's been kind of happening a lot i mean i don't i don't blame them because people want to make climate change and everything known 
but but that is definitely a big thing in this film it's just kind of masked by all the giant monsters you know i just felt like i feel like just because this movie's that big this big on a global scale the story wise Mm -hmm. and like just because it's two hours long doesn't mean you have to draw out every fucking scene like the movie was okay look two hours 30 minutes i understand but it was drawn out yeah that some of those scenes between characters just I feel like didn't need to happen or could have been tightened up for sure. Like, you know how yeah. some movies have like an uncut version where it's like longer. Mm-hmm. This movie needs a cut version where we take out like, dude, we have, say we don't have more than 30 minutes of just like filler scenes. Oh like, yeah. There's a lot of unnecessary shit for sure. <laughs> but you know, at the end of the day, the thing that really matters most is the giant monster battles. And I think they did them well. You know, the CGI was uh, a lot but I don't think that it was too much. I don't think they did a bad job with it. You know, I didn't see any, like, glaring issues with the CGI. I mean, when King Ghidorah was fucking coming out of the clouds and shit, you know, in, like, not out, on the outside, I, I would have been, but on the inside, I was like, yeah, fuck yeah, yeah you know? If you saw that shit, um, you'd fucking shit right where you stand, you know? Oh, yeah. Standing shit. <laughs> another, uh, since we are, you know, horror guys, Let's talk about another horror ma- horror element that we didn't talk about. Mm-hmm. The the battle cry. Like when there would be it would be just silence and be like, wait, and then you hear the well, you know, like the fucking yeah. <laughs> that Godzilla screech. Like It's I, hard I, to replicate, yeah. It, I can't replicate <laughs> it because it's fucking it's like a soundboard or whatever the fuck they're using to make that noise, but like it was fucking creepy, bro. Like mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, yeah, like like we were saying, you know, it's a giant fucking I don't even know how many foot tall monster. Yeah, it's a dinosaur. You know, you know? Like, exactly. <laughs> and basically shoot, a prehistoric god. And I can shoot laser beams out its freaking mouth. Mm-hmm. That's the scariest part, honestly. The fact that you can just shoot atomic breath. So. It, it, it didn't seem like that great of an attack, though, because it always like just temporarily stunned yeah. the Hydra. <laughs> I mean, it could fuck up a, a whole city, though, but... Yeah. Yeah. Which, which is fine. I mean, I think that the fact that they made Godzilla almost on the same level with a lot of the monsters and sometimes vulnerable was a good thing because we didn't need him just you know stomping around destroying everything yeah no we didn't plus considering that there were like 17 monsters or something like that was cool uh i won't like spoil it but i will say you don't see all of them all the time the movie still definitely focuses on the the several that were you know marketed hardcore but uh, it was still cool seeing like all the other monsters too, and it really gave us kind of a sense of the scope of this, I guess, sort of invasion, almost because we got to see the other monsters in other parts of the world. So that was cool, you know. They at least touch based on some of the other monsters. Like yeah. I said, they mentioned Skull Island. Right. Yeah. And, and, and they showed like uh, <laughs> and they showed like some underground monster base in Detroit. Oh yeah. So apparently we got monsters in Detroit that they're the government's keeping Watch from us. Watch out. <laughs> yeah it was cool i mean all those like little things that they put in there awesome there was like a lot of easter eggs like i was struggling like to follow it because i'm not with the whole like godzilla culture mm-hmm. but like i remembered some things like like skull island i remember kong skull island there was like a few other ones when they zoomed in on that map and they were panning mm-hmm. across like there were some on there like if you google them you'll find like some of like the older mm-hmm. monsters and stuff so like yeah i mean i was familiar with a few of the names but I also haven't seen like all of the Godzilla movies. Yeah. So, um, no, it was cool. I mean, it definitely gave us a sense of the world. It was good world building. 
I thought, so it did draw me in more. If it didn't have any of that stuff and it just kind of stuck you with these one-dimensional stupid characters, then it would have been way worse. But the fact that they kind of, you know, gave you all these little hints and cool Easter eggs and gave you a bigger sense of like what was going on, that was that was sweet. They had a few of those cornball comedy moments where like yeah. they tried to be humorous and the whole theater was just quiet, like no, yeah. not even a chuckle. They don't they don't work in these kind of movies, honestly, because in that kind of situation, I'm not cracking jokes. <laughs> you yeah. know, if someone cracks I, a joke, I'm gonna like punch them. I'd probably be cracking jokes. Like, <laughs> I mean, we're gonna die. Might as well go. Might as well die laughing. I guess so. Yeah. But just in in the context of what was going on, they just didn't really fit, and they were just bad jokes, honestly, too. <laughs> so. Yeah, I, th- I felt like the placement could have been better. Yeah, I don't know. It, it didn't really make a ton of sense to me, especially considering that it was surrounded completely by like action sequences and. I'm gonna give a kaiju fight. I'm gonna give a minor spoiler. Yeah. Sometimes it's okay to have sacrifices in movies. <laughs> Yeah. But when you have two sacrifices of two big characters, I feel like that's just kind of unnecessary. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like more of the main characters probably should have died <laughs> in general, you know, just to have like more of an impact. There were a lot of very convenient parts in this film where the characters just escaped death. And, and, and that is one of the criticisms. I mean, not even including the characters in the story in general. But just those action movie tropes that spilled over, like the characters getting away at the very last possible second. By like know? a millimeter. Yeah, it's, I don't know. And it, it happens it, a lot, by the way. It was a little harder to, to believe in this movie too, considering that Godzilla is a fucking walking nuclear reactor and there's nukes going off all over the place. And, and there's stuff people like that, just yeah. running by right next to him. Yeah. And he's like not weird. stepping on them. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. I know I'm fighting this Hydra. Let me make sure not to step on the humans. Yeah, there were a lot of evacuations and stuff. It, it was definitely a lot safer uh, in comparison to something like uh, Shin Gojira, which uh, I did like. That was the Japanese kind of reimagining almost reboot or spiritual successor. I don't know. Uh, but that one was, was pretty brutal because Godzilla was just indiscriminately fucking killing everybody. Yeah. So. <laughs> You know, so this movie didn't quite have that. It it definitely leaned more into like the action adventure side of things. But you know, I I went to see it mainly for one thing and one thing only, and I was satisfied by that. And uh, you know, you can definitely criticize the other elements, but for me, I think you know, out of ten, let's say I'd give this movie at least like an eight. You think so? Personally, yeah, because I mean, what it was mainly doing i think it did really well that's fair i was gonna give it like a little bit higher than ma Mm -hmm. because i did enjoy this movie looking back at it you can kind of be like okay that 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 and that were fucking stupid if you pick out things 7.5 out of 10 for me okay yeah yeah i think it's fair if you pick out certain things you know but from like beginning to end as far as what it was intending to accomplish i i I enjoyed the hell out of it you know and i do kind of want to go see it again because we didn't get to see it in like imax or anything i think that would be like the definitive experience for sure i don't know my ass already hurts from sitting here this long doing this podcast i don't think i can do a two hour and 30 minute godzilla movie yeah well i think we're pretty much ready to wrap it up here anyway guys uh let us know what you thought about godzilla king of the monsters and ma uh, if you have seen them and if you haven't seen them go see go both. check them out go yeah. see both for sure they're awesome theater just don't do it on the same day like we did because like yeah. i couldn't pick when i had to go take a piss take a shit mm-hmm. i was kind of thirsty because like 
every time I drink, I'd have to piss, so I didn't want to drink anymore because I didn't want to miss the movie. They yeah. should have built-in toilets in the seats, I think. Ooh, that's the next billion-dollar investment. Everyone's right just there. pissing and shitting watching <laughs> movies at the theater. Oh, you turn man. to your left, you see some guy with his nutsack hanging, and there's just turds dropping oh, into Jesus. a bucket underneath the seat. Amazing. Billion-dollar uh, idea. Well, you can either compliment us on that genius idea or fucking just antagonize us. By checking out our social media, Grave Discussions is on the internets. Uh, Facebook, Instagram, just search Grave Discussions. And then we're on Twitter as well. If you uh, look up Grave Disc SRD, we also have a website where you can check out all of our episodes, even the upcoming ones, and read more about us. Uh, that's at gravediscussions.net. Yes, you can read our host bios, read our favorite movies, which we probably need to update since we saw a lot more now. And you can read our talents uh, for some reason or <laughs> things we can do and, uh, you know, our backstories and what got us into horror. And you're not going to see our faces. They're not on there. Don't try. Yeah, don't try it. So uh, that's going to wrap it up, guys, for episode number 64. Yes. And we'll see you next week where we do cartwheels for charity on Grave Discussions. <laughs> We're not doing that. This has been an SRD production.